0: Lord bless this time. Ray's already prayed, but I'm asking that the Spirit of God would flow from our last teaching of Joel 3 and Armageddon to flow into the millennial. And we commit this to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. So just as a quick backdrop. So you guys know the Kings and the Prophets mentality, but remember, we're talking about Joel today. Kevin, who is Joel writing to originally? Joel is writing to the southern kingdom of Judah, which would be the southern two tribes. Okay. Early on in their division. Okay. Good. So you have to put things into place. Sometimes we get all like, oh, it's Joel. Like, do you see how long ago he wrote this? He's talking about the future that we aren't even in. Okay. So give the guy some slack. And like we tried to like, oh, I got to have it all here. This is the timeline of how far it is. I want us to have the understanding major and minor prophets. So here it is. Okay. This is kind of the backdrop of where we're at now, Kevin. I go here, I think. Man, I have just, thank you. <laughs> a little rusty. All right, so here's Israel. Uh, we've talked about this. Uh, now we have been talking about uh, the Jezreel Valley. Uh, we've been talking about the Valley of Jehoshaphat. We've been talking about the Valley of Decision. Ray, let's talk about what, what, is, all, what is all that?
1: Uh, that's, that's the uh, main battle point of uh, Armageddon.
0: Now remember this, this is all as a summary, okay? Last week we talked about this in Joel 3. The battle is what? They're gathering in the valley. 200 million soldiers. Revelation 9, right? Does everybody remember this? Soldiers are representation of all of the different nations. These are the soldiers. Okay? Now, what do they end up doing, Ray? What are these soldiers? And they start marching south to Jerusalem. Okay? So, in a battle mindset, we think... It's got to all happen right here. In the mindset, though, what do we need to start thinking like?
1: We need to think in real terms about the ebb and flow of war and battles. This is, uh, for some reason, we stop thinking in real terms when we read prophetic scripture. One, because it sounds pretty crazy at times, but Mm. it's still real people fighting real wars. And so there's just an ebb and flow of battle. And the real prize has always been Jerusalem. So it, it is... The, that's, that's the flashpoint of human history.
0: Okay, so all of these nations, Revelation 9 says the soldiers are coming. Revelation 14, verse 20. Kevin, if you'll go there. Do you guys remember how long the blood flow goes from all of these soldiers being killed, all these people being killed? Revelation fourteen twenty. Okay, it says, And the press was trampled outside the city, and the blood flowed out of the press up to the horse's brittles. Remember? Up to four to five feet, right? Bridles, <laughs> Whatever. It's a long night, all right, I prefaced it, uh, for about 180 miles, blood this high, flowing for 180 miles. This is crazy. When you think the battle of Armageddon, think all of the nations are coming, and then, by the way, let's go to, Kevin, if you can, I want to go to, uh, go to Zechariah 14, uh, verses 1 through 4, just as our transitioning into this, if you don't mind. Okay, Zechariah 14, and just here's another picture, by the way, of the Jezreel Valley. Okay, so what you're looking at is that everybody gathers here, right? They gather there and then they start moving. In Zechariah 14, uh, verse one, it says, the day of the Lord is coming when your plunder will be divided in your presence. I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem for battle. The city will be captured, the house is looted, the women raped, half the city will go into exile but the rest of the people will not be removed from the city, right? Just so we're clear. What is the city? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Everybody's coming down, but this is where this is their gathering point. Okay. So I want to just shift your mindset a little bit. I think everybody thinks that that battle has to happen all right here. It's not. It's an ongoing down into Jerusalem. Okay, hence the 180 miles of blood up to five feet. So again, I just want to keep shifting this mindset. I think theologically we hear teaching from the past, and so we just hold on to that. But when you read the word, you guys, it's pretty clear. He's coming, they're coming to the city. Okay, so then it says in verse three, then the Lord will go out to fight against those nations as he fights on a day of battle. Who does the fighting, Ray?
1: Well, it's it's Jesus, angels, us yes. uh, are coming back with him to defeat the enemies of Israel. You know, if you think about why Jerusalem is such a flashpoint, uh, you know, if you think about the last place where Jesus and Satan confronted each other at the cross,
0: this is uh, round two. Amen. Okay? That's a really good, that's a good word. Don't miss that. Okay? So, in all of this, the angels are coming with Jesus... We are coming. I'll get into all that. We're coming with Jesus, but he does the fighting. We're going to come with him in all of this, okay? And they're all going to hang out in Jerusalem. And then it says in Zechariah fourteen four, on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives is right next to the Kidron Valley, which is right next to the city of Jerusalem. Mount of Olives, Kidron Valley, and uh, the city of Jerusalem. It says, it faces Jerusalem on the east. The Mount of Olives will be split in half from east to west, forming a huge valley so that half the mountain will move to the north and half to the south. Now, I'm going to get into more of this teaching, maybe, maybe, we'll see next week when I want to talk a little bit more about the river. Okay, I'll start talking to you more about the Millennium River in a little bit, but we're not probably going to get into that today. But I, am want to, I do want to get into the characteristics of of this new era that we're walking in the battle of armageddon happens okay so now in all of this go to Reve- uh, revelation 19 uh 20 and 21 revelation 19 20 and 21 okay revelation 19 20 and 21 it says but the beast was taken prisoner and along with him the false prophet now from our perspective of teaching we have we have communicated this could be a spirit, a demonic spirit with the Antichrist. Either way, you have to know that the Antichrist in this is thrown in. But where is he thrown into? It says he would perform signs and authority by which he deceived those who accepted the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Both of them were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. Okay, so in all of this, okay, uh, let's just go here for a second. You have the Antichrist okay and Ray what is the lake of fire
1: well it's the uh, it is the place that is assigned to Satan and all of the fallen angels you know it's interesting that it was designed for Satan and his falling angels it never was really designed for human beings human beings go there by choice
0: hmm.
1: it's not designed for them can we call this hell right now
0: yes thank you You didn't even say it. You had to say everything else, right? I just
1: wanted to make it sound like a not pleasant place.
0: Okay, so here's what I want you to understand, okay? Jesus has come back, right? So I should do this first. I'm sorry. I, I I should clean this up. I have it on my notes differently, so let's do that. So let's just say here, okay, Jesus is back for the battle of Armageddon, okay? And in that, (laughs) <laughs> this is really bad penmanship, I apologize. Now go to Revelation 20, one through three, okay? Revelation 20, one through three says, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven. This is a good angel, by the way. Okay, because it's gonna get swirly when you hear the word angels, where are they coming from? A good angel, an angel from the Lord, coming down from heaven. He's got a key in the hand and he's got a key to the abyss and a great chain in his hand. The abyss is different than the lake of fire. Okay, that's where it gets kind of confusing. The Antichrist is thrown into the lake of fire, hell. But the angel is coming with a key. He's got a great chain in his hand. And it says in 20 verse two, he sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan. So an angel comes and Ray, briefly, what does what happens right here?
1: Well, he, uh, he binds him for a thousand years okay, into so a- Him is
0: Satan. Satan.
1: And he puts him in a holding tank called the abyss. Okay. And the abyss, we've, we we see it. I don't know. If, I can't remember if we've gone there yet. But it is also a place where demons are being held right now. Good. There are specific spirits that are being held in it. So it seems to be kind of a prison cell before the final sentencing.
0: Okay, so this is this is a holding tank. Antichrist, not a holding tank. He is in hell forever. Now, for me, I'm like, why not just throw him there now? Right? Doesn't that kind of your thought? That's just kind of weird, but I'm not going to judge God on that one. Okay? He can do that. But I'm serious, though. So here you have Satan bound for a thousand years. When I communicate this thousand years, I believe it's a thousand years. I I actually believe literally it's a thousand years. Okay, so let's just kind of keep unpacking this, okay? Uh, Joel 3, we're going to get to Joel 3 now. Praise the Lord. Joel 3, 16 and 17, okay? Joel 3, 16 and 17, it really becomes the launching pad for now to get into the millennium. But you have to understand something. Satan, oh, but by the way, because Satan is bound for a thousand years, I'm going to ask a question, just think about it in your head. Does that mean because Satan's gone that sin is gone? No no but you got to answer that yourself okay so because satan is gone doesn't mean that the world is still around and the flesh remember in scriptures sin world and flesh are the three things that are coming at us every day so just because satan satan because satan is gone we still have the world and flesh amen you have satan the world and flesh you pull one of them out you still have the world and flesh so i do want to just make a side note As as a reality world and flesh are still around, and I think we need to, that's a, that's an important point to understand. Okay, fair enough? Okay, now, something that I haven't done yet that I do want to, well, I'll, I'll come back to this, that's okay. Uh, Kevin, Joel 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, the Lord will roar from Zion. Ray, Zion is where? It's Israel. Israel. It's is Jerusalem, it's Israel, It's his place. The Lord will roar from Zion and raise his voice from Jerusalem. Uh, Heaven and earth will shake. But the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the Israelites. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain. Jerusalem will be holy and foreigners will never overrun it again. Go back to verse 16. My cousin Mindy, a lot of you guys know my cousin Mindy. She did all the paintings for Revive School. One painting per book of the Bible. Now, my cousin Mindy has painted this. Look at the butterflies. Look at the lion. Isn't this awesome? Now, when you read Joel 3, verse 16, Kevin, can you go there for me? Joel 3, verse 16, the Lord will roar from Zion, He will raise His voice from Jerusalem. But in the roar, look at the butterflies. I'm coming to kick butt, and yet I'm going to protect my people, right? That's really what he's saying. I'm going to clean house, and, and none of the foreigners will ever overrun this place again. Enough's enough. The battle has happened. Isn't this powerful? Yes. I'm going to leave this up here just for a little bit because I want this image. Now, go to 2 Thessalonians, all right? Let's dance. Here we go. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 10. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 10 uh, it says this, okay? It says uh, 1, 6 through 10. Uh, it says, since it is righteous for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to reward with rest those who are afflicted along with us, this will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his powerful angels, taking vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from his glorious strength. In that day, yes, in the big battle, right? In that day when he comes to be glorified by his saints and to be admired by all those who have believed because our testimony was among you uh, was believed. In other words, in 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 10, he says, if you don't believe, it's done. What's the it done? It's done, right? What is he doing in this text? He's uh, destroying the enemies of Israel. So in this, the enemies of Israel are done, according to this text. Make sense? They're done. It's wiped out. Now, I want to go one more. Go to Luke 17, verse 22 through 37. Kevin, specifically, go to 31. Luke 22, 31 through 37. This one might make you squirmish a little bit, okay? But I want to show you something. Luke 22, 31 through 37, specifically, is where we're going to go here. All I'm trying to show you is what does it look like in the millennium, okay? So it says, uh, uh, Kevin, did I say Luke? Yeah, I did. I wrote it wrong. (laughs) It's 17. You're right. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, All right, so Luke 17, 31 through 37. On that day, a man on the housetop whose belongings are in the house must not come down to get them. Likewise, the man who is in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to make life uh, secure will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two will be in bed, one will be taken, and the other one will be left. Now, everybody, I'm, I'm going to stare. This is a big, big stereotype. Okay, big. When you think of Tim LaHaye's books, left behind series, we typically go here. One's here, one's here. That's not what this is talking about. Okay, I just, I want to set it up a little bit. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be be taken, the other left. Two will be in a field. One will be taken, the other one will be left. Where, Lord, they asked him. So they asked, where did this person go? And why is this person left? Like you think of the clothes neatly piled and the pilot's there and the other one's not and you're like, what? Right, does that make sense? They said, where did that one guy go? He doesn't say to be with his Lord. He doesn't say to be with him eternally. He says, where's the corpse there? Also, the vultures will be gathered. The person that's taken, you guys, goes where? Ray, what is your thought?
1: My take is that a lot of this is the collateral damage of the war. Yep. Um, I'll leave it there. to Battle of Armageddon. Going. Battle of Armageddon. Yep. The collateral damage. Yep. Um, you know, there, there are different views on this uh i'm still wrestling with it i'm still working through it uh just where i'm at today is you know this is the collateral damage this is going to be hell on earth you know in this battle if you think about everybody coming in the 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 nations uh to fight jesus returns there's going to be just untold bloodshed
0: okay so why do we use these verses? Because here's the big question when we go into the thousand years. Satan is bound, but who's coming into the thousand years? Who's coming in to the picture? Right? So we know that it's Jesus. <laughs> That's a great answer, guys, by the way. Uh, let me guess here. I studied, all night. I studied all night for that one, right? No, but he, I, I'm serious because what we're saying is according to these verses... It sure looks like that others that don't believe in Christ are annihilated and they're gone. Everybody would agree, according to that. That's what it looks like. That's why the vultures will be gathered. That language of remember the birds coming to eat the flesh. Remember that how they're pecking away at all this, the, the, all of the flesh. Like that's what these verses would talk about. So in order to understand the millennium, I think you got to bring these to the table. There's some other ones that we're going to bring to the table, but at least, at least right now, we know that King Jesus has come. And so I think you can say, fair enough, in this, in the millennium, Jesus is king. Let's write it. (laughs) Revelation 19, he's coming on a horse and he's coming on a horse and he kills everybody, takes care of all the things that don't believe in him. We see this according to the scripture. Okay, so in that, I think you have to have an understanding. Yes, Jesus is king. But now I, I did... I kind of, I jumped ahead because I get really excited sometimes (laughs) because the Joel 3, 15 through 16, right? Uh, I'm going to mess up your notes. And if you guys are anal, you're going to be mad at me. I am so sorry. Okay. (laughs) It's okay. Let me do this. Uh, Lord. Okay. I'm okay with this. It'll make you feel better. Okay, Jesus is king, Revelation 19, okay? But now, (laughs) in Joel 3, it says that he is a a refuge, does it not? Joel 3, 16 says he's a refuge for his people. The foreigners will no longer overtake. So what we're trying to show here is that the foreigners, right, no longer, like, are a threat. Is that fair? The, The foreigners are no longer a threat, they're out, why? And then it says Jesus is king, we know that, but then I think this is really important. Jesus is our refuge and our rest. Now watch this. In the millennium, okay, it represents, this is so fascinating, Zechariah 14, 16. Watch this. Okay, I'm going to get into some other conversations about the people in a little bit here. But in Zechariah 14, verse 16, I hope you guys are, I think you're with me. Okay, then it says, and all the survivors from the nations, I'm going to get into that, that came against Jerusalem will go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and look what they're going to do and celebrate the what? The festival of booths. When you think about the millennium, I want you to start thinking it's one big festival. Now, the festival of booths, okay, this is so fun. Okay, the festival of booths, tabernacles, that's another language, tents, right? There's seven festivals. Okay, you have Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, atonement. The one for the thousand years could the whole thousand years, right, Ray? Yep. It could be the festival of tabernacles, the festival of boots. What does it mean? What is the tabernacles, Ray? Well,
1: it's, it's God dwelling among us. It's him tabernacling yeah. among us. And it was kicked off by the new covenant, but it's going to be in physical form during the millennium. And it's awesome that it's actually the seventh festival, which is the Sabbath rest. Amen. And so we're resting in his presence. It's what God wanted for all of human history. And now he's got a thousand years to, to make it happen. And
0: I want you to go to Hebrews 9.11. Hebrews 9.11 talks about this, right?
1: This cat It just keeps coming up, you know, uh, the prophecy about Jesus is he would be called Emmanuel, God among us.
0: It's literal. Isaiah 9. Yeah. God is with us. Yeah. Emmanuel. Amen. Hebrews 9, 11. Now the Messiah has appeared, high priest of the good things that has come, that have come in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation. So when King Jesus comes for the thousand years, he becomes on earth our rest in our tabernacle there's nothing about fighting in that. Why? Because he's cleaned house. Isn't that cool? It's just a really refreshing picture. And he set it up based on the festivals. And by the way, if you ever do a study of the festivals, every one of them points to Christ. Every one of them, all seven. And this is the last one. Now in this, I'm gonna come back to some things that I wanna talk about some more, but that's some of your backdrop, okay? Now I wanna go, well, Who's who else is gonna be with Jesus? Well, we know that the saints are going to rule and reign. All right, so the saints are gonna rule and reign. Go to Revelation 20, four, five, and six. Now, in Revelation 21 through three, that's when Satan is thrown into the abyss for a thousand years. That's been marked in Revelation. Okay. Now that's been marked. We know that Jesus is here in the millennium. We know that he is our rest. We know that he's our tabernacle. And we know now that the saints are going to come. How it says in revelation 20 verse four, then I saw thrones and people seated on them who were given authority to judge. I also saw the people who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus. These are martyrs, you guys. And because of God's word. Now, hang on here. What is their role, Ray? What go back to verse? What, what's one of the roles of the saints, Ray? Uh,
1: they're going to be judging.
0: Judging. Who are they going to be judging? It's an interesting question that you have to ask in order to understand who else is in the millennium. They are given authority to judge. I also saw people who have been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of God's word, and who had not worshiped the beast or his image, and, and it says, and who had not accepted the mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and they reigned with the Messiah for a thousand years. Saints get to rule with King Jesus for a thousand years. Yes, it's a thousand years, and can I just say it, this hasn't happened yet. I don't even need to get into other theological perspectives. Just to say that, amen. Amen. Satan has not been thrown into the abyss yet. (laughs) Then the hell. He's no, he hasn't been thrown into the abyss yet. Oh, until Jesus comes. Correct. See, there we go, Kevin, in my own, in the own camp. (laughs) Bad theology, bad You're with me. It's good. It's fine. We all do it. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Okay, so Revelation 20. Verse four, five, and six. These guys are going to rule and reign and they're going to judge. I think that's important. Daniel 7, uh, Kevin, Daniel 7, verse 18. Daniel 7, verse 18. Just want to give you just some Old Testament for a second. But the holy ones of the most high will receive the kingdom and possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. Verse 22 of Daniel 7. Daniel 7, verse 22 Uh, It also just to give you an idea, until the ancient of days arrived and a judgment was given in favor of the holy ones of the most high for the time has come and the holy ones took possession of the kingdom. What you're going to see in Daniel is that these folks are going to be given the right to rule and reign. So this is really interesting. Who do they judge? Go to uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 2 through 3. 1 Corinthians 6, 2 through 3, just as a simple picture. This could be one of the answers. It says, or don't you know that the saints will judge the world? Well, when does that happen? It sure looks like in the millennium. And if the world is judged by you and you're unworthy to judge the smallest case, don't you know that we will now, it also says, judge angels? Not to mention ordinary matters. So I'm just trying to show you. The, the things that we will be doing in the millennium. Ray, can you just define the saints for us? I think that needs to be important.
1: Well, it's those that believe in Jesus. Uh, anyone that believes in Jesus is a saint, but not every saint is going to reign and rule.
0: That's good. We're going to talk about that. It's really important. Who else does these folks judge? I want you to go to Matthew 19, verse 28. This will make your head spin. Please take this before the Lord. Matthew 19, verse 28. These are the texts. Jesus said to them, I assure you, in the messianic age, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Ray? Yes. You want to unpack that at all?
1: Well, that's, that's part of the reigning and ruling. It's, it's uh, ruling in Jerusalem. Over the, uh, so if you think about it, this is going to be a crazy time. You're going to have believers who have been either raptured or resurrected with a resurrected body with Jesus mingling with people who are still alive coming out of Armageddon. Okay,
0: Okay. let's unpack that. Okay. Because that's the squirrely part. Okay, now we don't have our notes up here because that's really helpful to understand you have, okay, let's just say uh, believers that have died. Jesus comes back. When he comes back, what happens to those that are dead? Well, start off. What happens to those that, yeah, the ones that are dead are resurrected. Okay. The first part happens to the dead. They're resurrected. Okay. So then they get new bodies. They get resurrected bodies. Just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. Those resurrected body believers are here. What else? Um,
1: it, it's resurrected and raptured uh, believers. Right. So, everyone that has a resurrected body <clears throat> that has lived a life that allows them to reign and rule in the millennium are coming back with him. Uh, also, there's that that passage the, is the only one I have found that says when Paul just kind of almost flippantly says, "Don't you know you're going to judge angels?" Uh, I believe these are demonic spirits. That's just throwing that out there since angels are perfect. Um, and it could mean, you know, judge in the sense of in the Old Testament, the judges. It, it means to rule, you know, to,
0: to, to reign and rule. Reign it's and not rule. a courtroom. In Revelation 5, I'm going to jump here right now. In Revelation 5, Kevin, can you do this? 5.10, the scripture talks about as these saints. Here's what I want you to have a picture of, Okay. I want you to have a mindset that these saints function as priests and kings, both. You made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. So King Jesus comes, Satan is in the events, okay? We are resting and in refuge with him. We know that, I'm going to get into how, what determines this, okay? We got a lot here, but I want you to understand they rule and reign as priests and kings. Hopefully, we've shown you a little bit. At least they judge the world, they judge the angels, and they judge Israel. Those are three things that we have clearly seen in Scripture of what they're going to judge. Okay? It's a simple, just keep studying, keep digging in. Now, in all of this, this is really important to understand. I want to make sure everybody understands, why do we talk about this stuff? Because Jesus being king is a prophetic fulfillment. This is important. You can't miss all of that. You could lump in this in, but I think this is key. Psalm 72 verse 11. Psalm 72 verse 11. Remember, he's come in, he's cleaned house. But prophetically, it says, and let all the kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. This is a really key verse in order to understand the millennium. Yeah, but I thought I thought everybody was gone. What do you do with this text? Ray, you got any thoughts?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, I believe it ties into our passage in Zechariah 14. Okay, so let's go there.
0: Let's just go there. This will will be a good, uh, the only thing I want to just say is, hang on, before we do, I want to tie that in there. I want to go Isaiah 9, just as a prophetic fulfillment, because that's a good tie-in, okay? Go to Isaiah 9, verse 7. Isaiah 9, just again, uh, uh, Ray, uh, verse 2, I think, Kevin, it is. I'm I know that's right. Isaiah 9, 7. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will what? Never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. This is the millennium, you guys, is actually a prophetic picture, uh, a prophetic fulfillment of prophet Isaiah, of Psalms uh, Wendy was talking, we were talking in our prayer time and you were reading from Micah and we'll get into that. Uh, and like the millennium is everywhere. You start reading into this language. You're like, wait a minute. I didn't know all of this tied into that. And so just one other uh, text in Luke one, 32 through 33, Luke one, 32 through 33, uh, here's where there's another layer of prophetic fulfillment. And by the way, International House of Prayer, IHOP, many of you guys know that, Bill Bickle? Uh, Bill Bickle? Something. Mike. Mike Bickle, sorry, excuse me. I have a great respect. I'm, I didn't mean that in any disrespect. Mike Bickle and then David Jeremiah, they've done a lot of great studies on the millennium. You might not agree with everything, but it helps you begin to have a bigger picture. So I just want to recognize that so you guys can see some of these things if you wanted to go deeper as well. Luke 1.32 says, He will be great and will be called the Son of Most High and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Prophetic fulfillment is when we begin to see uh, the uh, thousand years take off. So in all of this, we're going to go to uh, Ray with what we're talking about here. Why don't we go to Isaiah A 66 first? Okay, hang on. Let me Let me set it up, and then we can. Let's do that. Uh, In the prophetic fulfillment, we have said who will be there, correct? Right now, when you go back to our text, right, it sure looks like according to this text right here, 2 Thessalonians, Luke 17, everybody's gone. It looks like from these texts, well, then the only ones that would be left would be who? Believers. That's kind of the language that this would articulate to. I think that could be true. But the only thing I got to say is, and something that we're wrestling with, and I want to sell you that now. It is a wrestle, but some of it's pretty clear. And so I'm just going to say, guys, we got to take this before the Lord. Because in Zechariah 14, you want to go to the other one first? Let me go to Zechariah 14 first. Is that okay? Yeah. Go to Zechariah 14. All I want to just say is, it says, then all of the survivors from the nations that came up against Israel will go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate, uh, it says, the festival of boots. Well, if they're against, if they're against who, what does it say? They're against Jerusalem. That has to imply that they're not the 144,000, that they're not uh, believers. These are people who did not like Israel or Jesus. That a fair statement? You know, I don't know what to do with that, except the survivors from the nations. Absolutely.
1: So go ahead. The distinction I make is these uh, survivors were not part of the military. Where I think the total destruction happens is to the armies that go against Israel. That's where it's just a clear uh, devastation. I believe from this, and the one we're gonna look at in a second, Isaiah 66, these are the people of the nations, uh, and not every nation will go against Israel. There'll be sheep and goat nations. But these are the people groups that survive all of the trauma and bloodshed of all of the, all of the uh, war. And they weren't necessarily pro-Israel or not even a believer in Jesus. That's what I take from these two passages.
0: So when you look at this text from Zechariah 14 and Ray alluded to, just so you guys know, Isaiah 66 verse 18. There's no way around this except that clearly there are some, there's somebody left that was against Israel. And so in that, it says that they are going to be eventually coming back to uh, Jerusalem. So in that, here's what I want to write on here there are survivors. Okay? Ray, you wanna add something?
1: Well, in Isaiah 66, it was up there for just a minute. Yeah, let's go there. Um, he even names the, uh, if you think about the prophets, they are speaking about tribes of people in their location in the day. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the, uh, you know, the Meshech, Tubal, uh, that's Turkey. I mean, these are, these are countries that were not pro-Israel. And it goes on to say in verse 20, then they shall bring all of your brethren from all the nations as a grain offering to the Lord. So what the Lord is going to require is all of these nations that had Jews living in them, in their land, in their land in this time, he's going to require them to bring Bring them back back to Israel.
0: Like in Aliyah, in the millennium.
1: Yes, and these are, if you look at where these nations are today, these nations are not going to be very pro-Israel. So this is my wrestle is with, I get very clearly from Zechariah and Isaiah, they're going to be people that make it through Armageddon that are not believers. I don't know what to do with that and reconcile it with Matthew 25 and Luke 17 other than maybe the Luke 17 and uh, Matthew 25 is absolutely destroying the armies. That's very easy to... Now, I want to do
0: something. I want to go to Zechariah 8, okay. if we can. Zechariah eight twenty through 23, okay? <laughs> we haven't even touched half of my characteristics that I thought we were going to talk about. That's fine. Zechariah 8. No, just, I want to read 20 through 23, okay? The Lord of hosts, so well, here's what we're asking, okay? This is the question, so everybody's on the same page, okay? Uh, we have read that, that, that these people are all going to be de- dead, But now all of a sudden we read in Zechariah 14 and Isaiah 66 that there are survivors. So I just want to go to Zechariah 8. So we're trying to wrestle with this tension, okay? Does that make sense? The Lord of the hosts says this, peoples will yet come, the residents of many cities, the residents of one city will go to another saying, let's go at once to plead for the Lord's favor and to seek the Lord of hosts. I am also going. Many peoples and strong nations will come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to plead for... For the Lord's favor. Now watch verse 23. The Lord of hosts says this, in those days, 10 men from nations of every language will grab the robe of a Jewish man tightly urging, let us go with you for we have heard that God is with you. It's the same language as Isaiah 66. Hey, by the way, God has favor with you. As you celebrate the festival of Booths with Christ and in Jerusalem, can I come with you? Now, there is an argument, okay, that if you say, well, they're not leftover people. Some people would say this could be believers, okay, that have, uh, I'll get into this just a little bit. So please understand, I'm not going to go in depth because I know we can do more later, maybe next week. Some people would argue, well these survivors are people that have are believers that are not in the resurrected bodies, but are people that have come to know Christ in the thousand years that have had kids. And those kids have turned away from the Lord. The only problem with that argument is Zechariah 14. You cannot reconcile that because Zechariah 14 says they were against Jerusalem. So you could have that argument, but all, all I'm just saying, I'm trying to present this to you. Of we're trying to figure out who are these people that are coming into the millennium? We've talked through the text in the New Testament, but you have to look at the Old Testament and say, man, it doesn't reconcile them. And so it's a weird tension. So remember, there's things you can say, well, I'm going to throw this out. No, I want you to take this before the Lord because this is a, a, a real issue. But here's the best part. I want to end on a real positive note okay? In all of this, Jesus is (laughs) ruling with a rod. What do I mean by this? It means that for the thousand years, yes, we're going to get into the whole peace side of things. We're going to get into all of that. But no matter who is surviving, no matter who's rebelling, we're going to get into that next week. He's still in charge. Does that make sense? Even if they're believers that have kids or people that were against Israel, we know ultimately Jesus according to, go to Revelation 2.27. Revelation 2.27. This is how we'll close up today with just this point here. (laughs) Revelation 2.27. He says, he'll shepherd them with an iron scepter. He'll shatter them like pottery just as I have received this from my father. I'm gonna go to one more verse and I'll have you elaborate on this, Ray. Uh, Revelation, Kevin, if you don't mind, 12 verse five. This is everywhere, by the way, in the text. Revelation, these are just a couple of them. Revelation 12, verse 5. But she gave birth to a son, a male who's going to shepherd all nations with an iron scepter. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. So in the millennium, Jesus is ruling and reigning, which means he's still in charge. And he still actually can use the authority with the rod. Because we know, we know this for a fact, because at, uh, at the end of Revelation, you guys, which this is probably the best way to close this, actually. Go to Revelation 27 through 10. We know that eventually this uh, group of people that are against God, it's going to grow in the millennium. There's still world and there's still the flesh. So in Revelation 20, verse seven, it says, when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison, and he will go out to deceive the nations at the four corners of the earth. So if that's the truth, there's a lot of people out there, and Satan's going to come in and deceive them. There's a lot of people that are not necessarily walking with him. Right. Okay? So it says this, Gog is so he's going to deceive the nations at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. We will see a group of rebellion that's beyond what we can even count. Scripture says they came up. Are you Kevin, did you move? Are we on verse 9? Thanks. They came up over the surface of the earth and surrounded the encampment of the saints, the beloved city. So everybody that was against rebellion, everybody that had been deceived by, by, by the enemy, Satan, who'd been released from the abyss. What do they do? They surround Jerusalem. And then fire came down from heaven and consumed them. Remember, Satan had been released just for a little bit. Just a little bit. Long enough to deceive the four corners of the earth. The devil who deceived them, he's thrown into the lake of fire, which we know is where the Antichrist is, which is hell. This is it. And he was thrown in the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet are, and where they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay, there's been a lot there. But I wanted to show you how eventually this here, and there's gonna be, I have a lot more points that would show people in rebellion, and even, even with rebellion, there's still peace, that Jesus is gonna come, and there's gonna be right here, according to this, heaven's gonna fall, and something's gonna happen. There's gonna be a fight. So these are part of the characteristics. These are not all of them of the millennium because the ones that rocked my world were actually not these. So hence, part two will be next week. <laughs> Look, here's what I love about this. Is there so much. And Daniel 12 says we just keep learning in the process. And so thank you for hanging in there, David. Come on up if you don't mind. Uh, I'm going to pray. And uh, we'll, we'll come back into this uh, next week. But I, I'm very serious. I cannot wait until next week because it just keeps getting better. This is kind of the hard stuff that we're talking about. Uh, but we're going to get into some of the practical stuff. What will you and I be doing in the millennium?